Welcome to Musings with Rob. Our guests today are Robbie Atkinson from the Foundation for Interethnic Restoration, Perry Elizabeth, and Dr. Joan Atkinson. And today we're looking at the issue of Asian hate, as we have seen uh, lately. Now, Robbie, according to the California State University uh, research, uh, they found that there was an increase of over 145% in Asian hate crimes in America, especially in the largest cities in 2020. And now we're looking at 2021 and research and the news is showing us that there is an increase here also in 2021. Where do you think these hate crimes are stemming from? I honestly believe that the majority of the violence and hatred that we're seeing, one, right now is not new. It's been going on, but it was amplified by inflammatory comments and sensitive comments made within this country with regards to the COVID-19 pandemic and its origins, things like Chinese virus and, and Kung flu. I believe that there has already been a problem with racism and prejudice within this country and that the comments made and the focus put on the AAPI community because of the pandemic gave people a weak excuse to act out on their hatred and their racism. And that's what we're seeing right now. Okay. Do you have any personal experience? I mean, do you know anybody personally who has been impacted by any of these hate crimes? Yes, I know quite a number of people who have been impacted by the crimes that have taken place recently. And I have to say that it's it's heartrending, it's frustrating, infuriating to see another community have to go through this, especially after last year with the demise of George Floyd. Um, we're here again, obviously, because society didn't learn its lesson. The problem was not really fixed. I think everybody already knew that. But I, I have teammates, I have co-workers, I have um, partners that I collaborate with, uh, fellow companies that we've worked with, and they're all Asian or Asian American. And I've had people tell me they were afraid to go out in public and do projects because they're afraid that being out in public, sitting down in a cafe may make them a target. I've had friends tell me that they're Parents are afraid to go grocery shopping. Um, I've I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago there was an AAPI support rally that was led by Will Lex Ham. He's an activist, a visiting activist from New York, and I had friends who wanted to go, but they were. I went, right? I went, but they were afraid to go. Asian American friends were afraid to go because they're afraid that they would be targeted. Um, and so you know, issues like this really do hit home for me. How is the Foundation for Interethnic Restoration responding to this current crisis? At this time, we're oriented towards trying to garner support for the AAPI community. Um, and we're also trying to gather our resources to offer to help them as well. Uh, we've tried reaching out to some of the victims of the hate crimes that have taken place recently. Um, we also have a link on our Instagram page and also on our official website to a number of AAPI support GoFundMe pages should anyone want to contribute uh, financially. But more or less, we're trying to foster a conversation, educate people and foster conversation about the anti-Asian rhetoric that has gone on and we're trying to get the community to evaluate, self-evaluate 
their own biases and, if anything, understand the way POC communities, people of color communities, are perceived and treated as a result of white supremacy and these biases that come from it. Another big goal at this time is to get these different communities together to have these conversations during this process of self-evaluation so that we can have inter-ethnic solidarity because the last thing we want is for these hate crimes to spark a race war where we have POC communities attacking one another. That serves no purpose. So that all comes together with our main objective, the, the general mission of FIRE, which is to foster conversations about racial trauma and race relations. Okay. Prior Elizabeth, what were your initial thoughts and feelings when you witnessed uh, what, what you witnessed or what you heard um, in the news about these hate crimes uh, occurring? Um, I think my initial reactions were just dis- disbelief. Um, it, it took me a lot to process all the things that were happening, every different occurrence that happened to a separate family, separate person all over the United States. Um, yeah, I'm, it still is very shocking to me to know that it's, it happened and it's still happening. Have you, have you observed anything amiss in the the way the media has covered these hate crimes i feel i feel as if they aren't covering it enough i feel like i am still hearing about things that happened over the past year that uh that i had no idea about that no one talked about i didn't see in any article anywhere and didn't get circulated the way it should have been or um represented the way it should have been in mainstream media, the fact that people could be hurt or, or stabbed or um, or had violence happen to them, and and the media just being quiet about it is was very. I feel like it's wrong. <laughs> Do you know anybody personally? Do you have any friends or family members who have been impacted directly by uh, any acts of? Hate crimes? No, nothing so violent. Just, just insults, just mocking. Um, but to me, that's enough. To me, that's enough to want to be sca- to to feel scared, to to be worried about them, to be worried for myself. Yeah. What do you think our listeners uh, can do to support the? AAPI community at this time? What can they do? I think anyone listening can can do a lot of learning, a lot of research, find out about the things that the media isn't talking about, spread awareness about them. Um, I feel as though anyone listening could also look inside, maybe think about what they hold a bias towards. Even if it's small, it can it can impact the way you approach someone or the way you hear someone's story. Great. Now, you've heard uh, Robbie talk about what the Foundation for Interethnic Restoration, uh, what what those goals are, what the organization is doing. Do you feel it's important to talk about racial trauma with a professional, or is this the kind of thing that is so sensitive that it needs to be kept between family and friends? 
Um, I, I think it's important to do both. Dep- depending on who who you can have as a professional, that really matters. My my husband speaks to a professional every other week, and he specifically chose a black woman to talk to about um, the issues he's dealing with because he understands that picking someone else might not be the right move. You know, being very specific about who who hears the trauma that you've been through. And I think it's also important to talk to fa- friends and family. And I feel as though speaking within a group of people who love you can be a mutual healing, mutual coping, and create a stronger bond for, all, for everyone involved. Okay. Dr. Atkinson, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I really empathize and uh, sympathize with our AAPI families, friends, relatives, to know that people can be so thoughtless. I don't know. I think that's the best way I can put it. But as educators, we have a unique responsibility, and we can change lives if we change learning. And when I say change learning, we're talking about learning that supports students to grow personally and develop. And one way to do this is social emotional learning. And I think if we can teach our kids at a young age and throughout school and they're even as grown-ups, that these life skills that they learn can support people, they can help them make better sound decision. It helps with expressing emotions, being respectful, um, fostering interpersonal relationships. And how do we build this? It's based on culture, believe it or not. Culture forms the building block, the construct on which we can build all of this. And what what is culture? Culture is basically how we think, we feel, we see the world, the values, our beliefs. It keeps going. It's illicit. It keeps going. Our customs, our holidays, the food we eat, the language we speak. We should not look at our culture as being a deficit. But we need to look at culture as being, one, an asset. Two, we can engage students and even grown-ups to create an environment that promotes a sense of belonging and respect. And if we create that respect in youngsters and adults, I think that we can actually create a better atmosphere that we can deal with cultural differences and not see it as a deficit, but rather see it as an asset. This is an asset we can build, we can grow, we can learn. And I think one person said it very well, Nelson Mandela. He said, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. So if we are socially and emotionally responsible, adults and children, we will display life skill to support people. We will express emotions Empathy, sympathy, we will make sound decision, not hating, but respecting, fostering interpersonal relationships. And again, our, our sympathy goes out to the families. And I'm hoping that this will stop and people will start looking, reflecting, and start experiencing with others and saying, okay, we're culturally different, but this is a great 
opportunity for growth, for learning, and for building those relationships. Awesome. Thank you. Robbie, do you have any closing comments for us? I definitely agree with everything Dr. Atkinson has said. And at the end of the day, um, it reminds me of this particular activist. Uh, her name is Jane Elliott, and she was a school teacher during the era of Martin Luther King's civil rights movement, all the way through to his assassination. And she is famous for her controversial experiment that she conducted in the classroom with her children called the blue eye brown eye experiment and she got the children to understand what it was like for a person to be treated differently based on something as superficial as the color of a body part and when you look at Jane Elliott's work overall you see that it is good and that it was essential and it still is essential to the school system today because if you look back then and you even compare it to today you see that there is still this social and emotional element, as Dr. Atkinson referred to it, that is missing. It's lacking in American society. The willingness to reach out and connect with someone who is different from you, to accept them and tolerate them, and not only that, want to understand how their lived experiences are different from yours as a result of the fact that they look different from you. And for us to be the most diverse nation in the world, it is essential that we learn this. And also, while we can try to hold seminars and have discussion amongst adults to educate people, at the end of the day, these types of things are best taught to children because it's up to the next generation to foster that change that we need. Okay. All right. Uh, per Elizabeth, do you have any uh, closing comments for us? Yeah. Um, I love what both of you are saying. I feel, you know, I have a six-year-old, so being able to, to tell her about everything that's happening now and teach her sympathy and empathy and walk her through everything that's happening is heavy, but, and necessary, but it feels good to have a hand in, in raising her that way. And in terms of teaching, there is the whole education system that does play a huge role in her life, but there, there's a lot of weight on anyone else who works with kids, mainly the parents. There's so much that kids learn from their parents that could impact them for the rest of their life and, and teaches them the way to treat other people, the way to interact with other people. Um, so it is a lot of weight on the education system, but I feel if you are a parent listening right now, you have a lot of responsibility to your children to make sure they see the right way to, to be a person, to, to live on and and have your child love, actually love and help and and be a person of the world to interact with the world. That's it. <laughs> great, great. I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, taking the time to participate in our podcast. I am certain uh, this will be an enlightenment for our listeners out there. Once again, thank. Uh, thank you to each and every one of you guys. You have been listening to Musings with Rob. Please join us again next time. Mm-hmm.